In this episode, oh, you know what though? What though? You know what though, what Shelley? Though? This is episode number 52. Oh, M. We've done this G. for a year. A year. Every week. We haven't missed a week. This I is don't episode think I've done 52. anything for a full year in my life. Really? Yeah. How about motherhood? Except for that. <laughs> One day at a time. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we're kind of celebrating it with our good friends, Jennifer and Amy, who are going to be telling us some amazing stories in celebration of our one-year anniversary. No pressure, guys. And I learned way too much about what happens in the pre-existence from talking to Jennifer. It's really strange. We're (laughs) going to talk about that. Stay tuned. Okay, be right back. (laughs) Hey, Virginia. Did you know the law protects patients from surprise medical bills? Insurance companies and hospitals post cost information online. You can request a good faith estimate three days ahead of hospital care. Know your rights as a healthcare consumer. Visit controlyourcare.com to learn more about patient-focused healthcare laws. Controlyourcare.com can help empower your healthcare decisions. Paid for by the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. You're Mary, and I'm Shelly. Wow, okay. Just took your thunder. <laughs> are you impatient? No, I just wanted to say your name. Okay, Mary. and our Mary. guests are back. We have Jennifer and Amy. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. We already did the hello song, so we, should we just... Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, we can skip that. that okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't hello at me two times. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. But we wanted to have you all back because I feel like we just sort of started to talk about what was going on with you guys and your mm-hmm. story, your background, but we mm-hmm. we were running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. So Maybe we, we got a little chatty. That never happens, what? though. It was weird. It was, it was weird in that one instance where we kind of— <laughs> one time you talked a yeah, lot. <laughs> yeah, the one time. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have Jennifer talk is because, Shelly, you have a great example of a divorce working out. Yeah, I, yeah. I have the most kick-ass divorce ever. I'm so grateful to my Heavenly Father that— <laughs> Would you be remiss if you didn't stand here I would here be today? remiss if I didn't bear testimony like to of how wonderful divorce can fucking be <laughs> and how amazing it is to leave the cult, get divorced, and be my true self. Amen. Yeah. Well, yeah also, my, my divorce worked out— um, Yeah, Brent no, left the church. Yeah, number one reason my ex is no longer Mormon and— unfortunately for Jennifer, not the case. Mm -mm. And so the difference between my amazing divorce and your shitty-ass divorce is probably a lot because— The Mormon church. The Mormon church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about that because we have a lot of listeners who go through that, where their ex is still going to church, taking the kids to church. Yeah. Um, So we wanted to hear— your story and what that situation is like, if you don't mind sharing. No, not at all. Um, how do we how do we dive into that topic? And we? go. Oh wow. It began <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> it began the pre-existence. <laughs> you got in the line. You got in the shitty divorce line. I must have. I think my whole family got in the shitty divorce Will line. Will you if explain we're doing with quantity. that? Yeah, the whole the lines line. and the pre-existence that you sign up for. Yeah. So I was always, of course, taught that growing up in Mormon culture, that you choose your trials, your problems in the pre-existence, that if there's anything wrong with you or if you have any setbacks in life, that it's something that you voluntarily took on for yourself as a valiant pre-existence soldier. to work out. I don't know what we were. We were spirits. We were valiant spirits in this pre-existence. And I'm going to agree, actually, with that because 
for sure I would have chosen lesbianism. Well, yeah. (laughs) And I was taught that. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) But yeah, and it wasn't so much that I was told I was uh, chosen lesbianism, but that anything that you have, if if you're the one that is born without a leg or you get cancer or you choose to have your mom die when you're young, that you chose because you knew you were strong enough to get through that trial, that whatever happens to you, you already knew it was going to happen because that's what you asked for while choosing your family members. Remember okay. how you learned that last night? Wait, if you chose the trial of losing your mother at an early age, it's kind of like you killed your mom. Yeah, but you can survive that because you're the strong spirit that can bury a child or survive cancer six times. Like whatever you have, you, you chose that shit. are good enough to make it through that thing. Oof. So that sounds like predetermination. Yeah. Right. I was taught that too, by the way. This isn't just like your freaky family. I was taught that. <laughs> well, but your salvation isn't predetermined. Well, apparently, according to one of the apostles lately, they already know the answer to the end of the story. It's not about who wins. Right. That's been a quote that's been used a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they don't know that they're the winners in the end. It's just about getting— My dad said that when Obama uh, beat Mitt Romney. What? Yeah, because it didn't matter that we lost because it was clearly a Mormon versus the enemy election. Um, And it didn't matter that we lost because we know we win in the end. Right. We meaning Mormons. Mormons. Oh. Because they're going to run the government too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. well, that was the original idea, and that's probably why Joseph Smith got killed. That's my theory. <laughs> they killed the shit out of him. Yeah, that was the— uh, He's real dead. He's that so was dead. the Council of the Fifty mm-hmm. tried to overthrow the U.S. government. Yeah. We learned that. Thank you, Bryce Blankenagel. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you, Bryce. Shout out Naked Mormonism. Yeah, so okay. Mormons been trying to take over the world for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah, in the pre-existence, you choose a thing. And when I um, came out to my mother— bless her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, she told me that I stood in line for sex addiction in the pre-existence, as did she and many other family members, <laughs> and that mine just happened to be sex addiction to women, that that was Satan's way of taking mm. my addiction and making it bad as opposed to just being a sex addict. It was girls. That and that made which it makes it so much worse. So yeah. actually, the sex addiction's okay. It's just when you... Well, it's not okay because oh, okay. I should just overcome it that that's my trial to get through in life. Hmm. But you are currently in a monogamous, very loving mm-hmm. relationship. Y'all are cute as fuck, by I the know, way, gag. so great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whatever. But even that, that is worse than a heterosexual sex addiction. Am yeah. I right? Yeah. It's worse than, let's say, being married six times that me... <laughs> no judgment, mom. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're not listening, right, mom? Okay. No, right, Jennifer's mom? Yeah. <laughs> Make that clear. <laughs> yeah. She would never listen to this, but no, being married six times is still less of an offense to God than doing girl sex. Mm-hmm. Because at least <laughs> you're straight. Sex. Yeah, right, at least right. you're straight. Did she feel the need to marry six times because it's a sin to have sex outside oh, of marriage? Oh, no. She did all that, too. Oh, it was okay. Just... How many of the six were temple marriages? Three. Okay. She's been sealed three times. Hmm. Nice. As you do. As, as <laughs> you do. <laughs> I think that's why we know each other so well, as we remember before the veil being in line together. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I was in the lesbian line. I waited and waited. Did you? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I tried to get in the line. I was in the um, returns line. I, was, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I was in the wrong line. The you were in the underboob line. That's <laughs> oh. the line you were in. She was in the front of the line. <laughs> that might be my like addiction is her underboob. That's not a trial. <laughs> and that's is true. It, <laughs> For others, mm, it's it a, a cross I have to bear. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time. We focusing. don't talk about the cross. Mm-mm. Oh, we, we will when it's Amy's turn. Don't you worry. Oh, um, so, question for you to get the ball rolling. Yeah. When you got divorced from your most recent ex, were you still a member? Were you not a member? How did that all go down? And how did he manage to stay in and you were not out? And what 
are now the consequences of that. So when I filed for divorce, we were both active members. He had been inactive for 20 plus years, and mostly the church was used as a facilitator for welfare assistance or service of any kind. It wasn't ever about like being a Mormon. And so when I got divorced, it was under the premise, of course, of being gay and therefore sinning. So um, I just stopped attending. I just kind of casually died out. And in Utah, when you are Mormon and you stop being Mormon, it's very much a social suicide of consequence given for being ignored. You just don't exist anymore, kind of. And so he latched onto the church because he's now a giant victim of ex-Mormon lesbian, sin, like all these things that... Oh, everyone. I'm sure everyone's like, poor, poor man. Yeah. How does he... Well, he obviously stood in that line to survive this. To survive a lesbian? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To survive a lesbian line. It was real short. That's kind of been his place is the church because they'll do anything for you if they think they're going to get your soul back. Oh, yeah. If you're going to... If they get to count you You back as one of them. You mean you're tithing No, because he doesn't pay tithing. He doesn't? He doesn't have a job. You have to have... Wow. But does he have a temple recommend? Oh, yeah. Huh. So righteous, this one. Yeah. So he's off the hook with tithing somehow. Well, he has no income. It's not his fault. Okay. That's not his fault. I see. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Mm -hmm. Remember about making sense of nonsense and how crazy (laughs) Uh it will make you feel? Uh You just have to not do that. So, yeah. So the church immediately steps in and is like, well, let us help you with your salvation. And we're going to make sure your children, my younger boys, were... Eight and nine at the time, eight and nine and a half, something like that. So they were still fresh young souls to be groomed and put into Mm -hmm. priesthoodness and all that kind of stuff. In the beginning of our divorce, they stayed with me on Sundays and went with him on Sundays and would attend church with him. And it became like the strong divider in our parenting and raising of the children was one deciding to be super, super Mormon and me getting out of the church. And I got to the point where I took my name off the records about a year ago. So that's Probably the strongest thing making co-parenting and everything difficult is the pervasiveness of church doctrine against gay people, church doctrine against people who aren't Mormon or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that there's this like elitism that happens, that they're better than, that everything's looked down upon, that everything about me is wrong and bad, and I'm something that needs to be tolerated and just like put up with because... I'm clearly giving into all of my trials and letting Satan rule my body. And this is conveyed to your children, is it not? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Talk about that. Like, what's that dynamic like? Um, It's very much, at this point, a stay away from subject. Like, there's no positive outcome during conversations. One of my sons was telling me how he was talking with his young men's leader about how you can be spiritually strong, but still not a good person. That if you're Mormon, that that's better than even if you're spiritually better in a different religion because you don't have the fullness of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So you, <laughs> The fullness, meaning the fullness. fullness. That is Book full. number three. <laughs> well, it got restored, but then they forgot some parts, and then mm-hmm. God's changed his mind a bunch of times. Uh-huh. So other than that, it's pretty full. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. That I can be a good person. Full because, of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't say what it was full mm-hmm. of. I shit. should use that line. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that you can be a good person. Like, oh, I don't know, Mother Teresa or anybody else that does good, but she's still not Mormon, and that if you go to heaven and it's Mother Teresa versus my ex, he was Mormon. I right, mean, he right. still has, and he has the priesthood and a recommend. So, no, he's in. Yeah. yeah. And that 
Mother Teresa. I don't know. Sorry, she did some mom. good stuff. Teresa. Sorry, mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mama T. <laughs> so yeah, that that's always just infinitely better that no matter what happens. Yeah. And nothing that he does is bad or wrong because at least he's Mormon doing it. It's like the heterosexual relationship. At least it's heterosexual. Yeah. No, I. that's yeah. completely... Could be adulterous, but at least it's heterosexual. Yeah, right. No, mm-hmm. and um, I remember when a relative, her um, brother, so this is an um, in-law, her brother ended up like having sex before marriage and told the family because he felt horrible about it. Mm-hmm. And the family's reaction was, well you can be forgiven. At least it was straight sex. At least you're not gay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because like, that's yeah, the worst shit. thing you could be is At gay. At least I'm not gay. At least mm-hmm. the sex I'm having is straight sex. Isn't Which crazy? is great for some people. That's fine yeah, if that works out for sex. you. That's fantastic. But if you're not straight, don't bother <laughs> straight sex. <laughs> so one note that you scribbled down was that you said the boys were secretly ordained. Oh, yeah. Can talk about that? What does that mean? Yeah, so um, the church moved up the age that you could be ordained into the priesthood and become a deacon and start on that path of elitism and mattering and being way more important than everybody else in the church. Sure. And so it was a rule for a while when God was on one path with his mind mm-hmm. that if you had a parent that was gay, right. that you could not get baptized, you couldn't be ordained, yep. you couldn't be blessed if you were a baby, because they don't want conflict of being raised in different mindset households. Which is all bullshit. Yeah, it's crazy. Right, because they don't care if you're anything else. You could be a murderer or a drug addict. At least you're not gay. At least you're not gay. Until you were 18 and then disavow your gay parents. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting that you wouldn't have to wait till 18 to disavow, like, maybe your pedophile parent or your serial killer parent? You don't have to wait till 18 and be like, it's not okay that my dad molested 50 people and raped 3,000. Like, you don't have to say that, but... No, the church will forgive him for that. Yeah, but it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you would have to turn 18 and say, it is not okay that my mom is in a loving, monogamous relationship with a woman. Right, exactly. So Crazy talk. Yeah, it never makes sense. So my oldest child was old enough to have had that happen, and he didn't get ordained. He never went to church class. I mean, he never went to primary or anything when I was in the church. I found out that they had been ordained because, of course, everybody's connected, and I have a relative who lives in the same apartment complex as my ex-husband does. So I found out about it through the grapevine of Mormon gossip conversation. And I left it up to my children to decide when they were going to tell me about it. And by the time they told me, it was that both of them had been ordained because they moved up the age that it's the year that you turn 12, you can be ordained. Yeah, you can be barely 11. Yeah. And become higher in rank than your mother. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So well, they, she's just a woman. Yeah, well, and that's she what can I mean. watch now, though. She can be a witness it's true. now. It's true. It's nice. She can't put her hands on anybody's head. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> way too much. But yeah, they both got ordained. The interesting part was at the time that they did, the policy was still in effect that they could not. Mm. So either my ex-husband told them I was dead or that I didn't <laughs> exist or wasn't in their life. How would because, they not know? Is this a new ward or something? Or Oh, yeah. We okay. moved to different towns after gotcha. our divorce. So, so he lied. Somebody lied. Yeah. Oh, they would have had to. It would have Lying had to been for your Jesus. Head. Yeah. That's well, of course. allowed. It's more important to get those boys ordained into the priesthood um, than it is to be an honest human being. Right. Because sometimes God uses sin and lie and deceit to get you to obey commandments. You remember when Jesus was lying <laughs> to everyone just to get them to follow him? I think I missed that book. You know, yeah, you're right. If it never happened. Everybody just followed Jesus. We wouldn't even be here having this podcast. You know what so I mean? So we should be grateful. Well, and the interesting part is that that. Acknowledgement of that being a wrongdoing, lying to your mother, being secretive about it, 
lying about what the situation was. Oh, the kids was. had to lie to you too oh, for as months. well. Oh, I would be so fucking pissed yeah. if my ex-husband did something and sit, told my kids, don't tell mom. Yeah. Oh, He hell. does that all hell the time. Hell to pay. Oh God. Yeah. Be torching that And place. it's a huge weight on the children. Like, for sure. Like to tell them, them lie to your mom. Yeah. Oh my God. So I went to the bishop. I went and talked with his ward's bishop and went and sat down with him. My sister, who is still active in the church, and her husband went with me, and he was apologetic. He had no idea. How did he say he had no idea? Like That I just wasn't interested in it, that I was a— But you're still a lesbian. doesn't matter. That was never told to him. He didn't know that I was so the So when gay. you told him, <laughs> did you tell him, well, look, I'm a lesbian— um, he knew by the time that I went there. How did he explain how he didn't know? I'm, tr- I'm trying to say, oh. like, does he know that your ex-husband lied to him, I guess is my question. Um, yeah, and it I would guess matter. so. Uh-huh. It didn't really come out like that because I think he doesn't want to get crossed in the war of it all. But that he was leaving it up to the children to be the ones to talk about it. Because 11-year-olds can yeah. handle that shit. Right, exactly. And I said, Jesus. well, I'm still their mother, and I don't have to believe in what they do to be supportive of things that are not harmful. But this part isn't. One of those, um, mm-hmm. like I let them believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, just like I let them believe in your church. So it's fine. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Except the so, church is a little more harmful than yeah, bunnies than and Santa. Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Santa usually doesn't shame you. I don't know the coal. You were a bad kid. Yeah. Here's your coal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of the same idea. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think the Easter Bunny just gives candy no matter what. I don't think there's like. There's no contingencies at yeah, all. Bunny doesn't so. give a shit. Bunny's like, this is for everyone. Good, bad, straight. Oh. Even the poor get stuff sometimes, <laughs> even, too. Even. <laughs> even poor kids. Jeez. <laughs> even the Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Even wow. Russell M. Nelson. <laughs> he still gets candy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard because there's a definitive line in our parenting styles, in our household, that everything Dad does is good because it's priesthood and Mormon. Yeah. I mean, not being employed, being bad, being, like, disparaging. Lying. Secret keeping. Well, it's for Jesus, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. of it is okay. And portraying their mom in a negative light. Oh, yeah. And also their mom's girlfriend. And this is like light. divorce 101. You don't talk shit about the other because all that does is fuck the kids. That's you had to it. go You're to the not... parenting class, I'm assuming, when you got divorced. About, I like... didn't. I just knew. Oh. In Utah, you have to go to a class about how not to be a dick to your ex and so to be like, good for the kids. did your ex miss that class? <laughs> no, you have to go. It's just about choosing well, it. he didn't listen. Well, God didn't say to, probably. Oh, okay. Plus, you can cherry pick the shit out of things. It just made sense that my kids adore their dad and he's a good father. So why, why would, would you I bad mouth why him? would I badmouth him? Because it doesn't why matter. Put your kids through that, right? No, which yeah. I don't. Ninety-seven percent of the time, like mm-hmm. my ability How do you to bite not tongue, be like oh. your dad fucking sucks. Don't listen to him because he's <laughs> making it hard for you. Because I went through that, my dear yeah. sweet mother, also with her six marriages, um, <laughs> crushing it. <laughs> yeah, she and my dad were not the best at keeping their opinions of each other to themselves, and mm-hmm. so it was very divisive growing up. About you were told this is your relationship with your dad. This is what he did. This is who I am. Oof. My dad had some real strong opinions about my mom, and so it was super divisive and. I mean, 30 years later, we all have really strained relationships with both of our parents for it. So I felt like no matter what, take the high road. Don't ever say anything bad. I mean, I'll stand up for things that are blatantly false. And he's allowed to keep secrets. He's allowed to not say full truth to anything because it's lying for Jesus. Literally everything is excusable because he is an active Mormon member Mm -hmm. with a recommend and has the priesthood. So he could probably murder somebody and they'd be like, well— 
Somebody you made him do Jesus. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. I mean, that one guy lopped that guy's head off to get the plates one time. That's like, it's true. okay. Lots of but people don't murder be gay. for their god. That's true. Yeah. It's basically there most wars but in they the entire. Mm-hmm. They're not gay when they do it. Right. So, oh, gay murderers, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, regular name, murderers. Name one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're too busy decorating. That's and true. <laughs> and sprinkling glitter and Watching shit. Watching Chopped. Like, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do in our spare time. Mm-hmm. Well, the so, unfortunate thing right now is the kids are forced to code switch 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. So they are becoming masters at lying and being secretive, which Jennifer then has to undo yeah. for half of yeah. the visitation time. So oh there is God. a re-entry process after every long period of time with him Yeah, that, you know, the Monday after they have spent five days with him prior is like often programming. Because she has to deprogram them, have conversations about being secretive and lying, Mm -hmm. have conversations about, you know, we don't do the hate, we don't do the judgment, we don't do the fighting because the two of them will fight with each other, sometimes physically fight with each other. You mean the two boys? Yeah. Right. So she has to start from scratch Mm. every time there has been a long period of time with their dad. And it's just... That sucks. It's it, so sad because it's it their takes up your time too, mechanism. right? Yeah. Like well, yeah. Should, I have other children from first marriage. Yeah. And they are not LDS either. So that's a divisive thing about those other boys and those kids. And I wish you didn't have to be in that environment. Those and he, other boys, you mean my siblings? Yeah, their brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, those others were the other people there. Um, the other people? Yeah. Well, if you just like minimize, he's super narcissistic and. Oh, you mean this is from your ex? Yeah, to the younger boys. Like telling them, sorry, you have to be with those other kids. Yeah, I wish you didn't have to be in that environment. But they're they're brothers. Oh, yeah. That they've been around their whole life. No. Well, he's like dehumanizing them. Absolutely. Wow. What a fucker. What's his address? Yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Something, something west, something, something north. (laughs) You don't know the address of Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. West Temple. I don't know. It seems like everything happens there. The so, grid system. The grid system. Yeah. So, Amy, you were mentioning a little bit over the course of our conversations uh, about being labeled as like the lesbian mm-hmm. or the gay. So what's that been like? Be- being labeled by Jennifer's ex. Right. right. Okay. I think it's just in an effort to make me less than or dehumanize Mm -hmm. me. I'm not a person to him. I don't have a place or a heart. There's an assumption that I'm a bad person because of who I am and the role I play in Jennifer's life. The saving grace is I'm a fairly likable person. (laughs) The unfortunate thing is there is with the boys when I'm around them, this cognitive dissonance where you can see their wheels turning and this pull on their heart because they're drawn to me because of who I am as a person and how I interact with them. But then they are constantly reminded of, I shouldn't like her. I shouldn't be Mm -hmm. around her. My dad said, don't let her rope you in. Mm. And so going into that, what a dick Mm -hmm. at the beginning of our relationship. And I've been in at least one, maybe two previous relationships where there were children. So I know how to navigate mom and kids and I let her take the wheel on that most of the time. And I told her at the very beginning of our relationship, I am a million percent fine. I will not take a back seat, but ride the wave until it becomes harmful or a personal attack on me as a human Mm -hmm. being or 
affecting my relationship with the kids directly, which in short order it did. As soon as I physically, and and it took probably about two months before I met them, the younger two in person. The older two, I have a great relationship with the two of them. Because they're not judgmental. No, and they're they're older and they're not in an environment where they're being brainwashed. Their dad is a good guy Mm -hmm. and, you know, he doesn't try to negatively influence them that way at all. But with the younger two, from the moment I first met them, there was this vibe of dismissiveness with them that I was not human. Didn't need to be talked to or looked at. No eye contact. Well... No, and just wow. planned ignoring, which yeah. is my personality. The worst thing you can do to me is act like I don't exist. Yeah. And that's something God. they're taught. People don't act like that normally. That's not normal kid behavior. No. Even for teenage boys, that can sometimes yeah. be dicks. That's not how they are with people. Right. So planned ignoring. So instead of just treating you like shit and talking to you, but in a nasty way, they just don't say anything. They just pretend no. you are not there. I can be in the room with them and they will go about their daily business in the room, but there is no interaction, no acknowledgement that I'm there. If they're coming into the room and I've come into the house for the first time, you know, I've come to visit or whatever. There have been times where they will come downstairs or come into the room and I'm right there in front of them and they will not acknowledge that I'm even there. And Jennifer's like, you can say hello to her. Right. She's another human being in the room. It's what you do. You say hello. You know, I'm not expecting them to like me right away. I know it's difficult when you're in a new situation with kids and a new relationship. It's hard for the kids sometimes Mm -hmm. to figure out role. I'm used to that. My job is working with kids. And so I understand how they process things a lot of times. But there comes a point where you can tell they have been negatively influenced or told you will not talk to her because she is trying to manipulate you. They have been told that I will use my dogs as candy Jesus. to win them over. Oh my and God. Which is, by the way, very effective, but that's not something that, <laughs> right. that you would do. Like, it's a fucked up thing no. to warn a kid to be wary and suspicious right. of a kind, loving, right. and generous right. human being just yeah. because she's gay. Oh, but yeah. they are naturally drawn to me as a person. I have a great dynamic with both of them. Yeah. And when wow. I have been around them, you can tell they want to have positive interactions with me. Mm-hmm. And they ebb and flow with who interacts with me most right. each time I'm around them. They also watched her dynamic with my other boys and how she and I are together. Mm-hmm. So it's this massive conflict in their brains of, wait, everybody likes her. They all seem happy. We call that a brain fuck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like loving and enjoying their time together. And yeah. mom smiles a lot now. Like my youngest, I was talking to Emmy on the phone and he didn't know who I was talking to. And he said, mom, who have you been talking to? Because you laugh a lot when you're on the phone. And I said, well, I'm talking to Amy. And then they have to be like, oh, it's not supposed to be happy. You're not supposed to, because there's no happiness outside of the church. No, they're probably like, I bet Amy put the dogs on the phone just to manipulate my mom. (laughs) It's like candy. (laughs) Except that would not be candy to Jennifer. That's true. It's not candy. That's that's a great point. It's not your flavor profile. You know, I think about um, when I was a grown-ass adult, like 40 years old, seriously, and going to that non-denominational Christian church to do like a service project. And I was still sort of partly in Mormon church. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing thing. They're like sending food to starving children, which is something that the Mormon church sucks ass at. (laughs) And he's like showing this video of these kids they've helped that have been crippled and they just need good nutrition and doing all this wonderful Jesus-y stuff, but he had tattoos and long hair. Uh And it was a brain fuck because 
that tattooed, long-haired dude shouldn't be doing good right. things because he doesn't look like a Mormon. Right, absolutely. And so I bet that's God. what the kids are— and that That's was, so I true. I was 40 years, like, grown-ass adult, and I still— it fucked me up. Like, yep. well, I, I don't know what to do with this. So imagine an 11 and 12-year-old right. kid being told, lesbian, bad, right? Nothing good will come from this. This is so weird to me because, okay, we were not there 2,000 years ago to see what actual Jesus looked like in the flesh. But all the pictures of Jesus— Long hair. Doesn't look like a Mormon. No, I agree. No, no. How do you remember long hair, that? Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. Jewish. Yeah, beard, mm-hmm. dark skin, not white and delightsome. Mm-mm. Yeah, how do you reconcile that, Mormons? No, no, they, no, they, no. Don't. they don't. They don't. They move just, on to something different. <laughs> they paint pictures of him as a white person. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. what they do. Blue they line his hair. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I want to take a quick break, but then when we come back, I want to ask you more about the language you use to talk to your boys. Because sure. you can tell they're mixed up. They're conflicted about yeah, this whole absolutely. thing. absolutely. Okay, we'll be right back. We're back. And we're back. <laughs> so, yeah, my question is, how do you combat this? You can see that mm-hmm. they love you. They are drawn to Amy. They love the dogs because they're candy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves candy. But what language do you use to combat the hate messages that your ex is telling them? So it's come down to pretty simple communication of the bottom line is love, that you're just supposed to love. Like, that's the simplest commandment. I can't remember the phrasing that is used around that, but you can have all the thoughts and feelings that you want, but you will not be disrespectful. You will not talk to me in a way that I don't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, dismissiveness is probably one of my biggest triggers. Like, what I say as a parent is less impactful or important because I'm gay and not Mormon. Mm. That if white Mormon priesthood temple recommend dad says something, then by damn, you're doing that. Or by darn, I guess it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gosh Mm -hmm. darn. Golly gee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Golly gee, you're doing it. For shiz sake. (laughs) But if I say something, it's got like a twinge to it. Like, I'm optional as a parent. They can Mm. choose to not be my children. Wow. Well, they're not going to be with me in heaven because of who I am. So why do they need to work on that relationship with me? It's almost that like they've given license to take everything you say and put it through a Mormon filter. Oh, yeah. That's That's a good way of... Fucked up. It's like, well, mom says all these things, but whatever doesn't line up with what Mormonism says, I could just throw that shit out. Well, because I don't have the Holy Ghost with me for sure. Yeah, you're not being guided by me. Well, and if they're thinking in our afterlife, we're not going to be with mom anyway, so... right. And this life's temporary. And it's my choice that they're not. It's me that put them there. Right. Oh, yeah. So you, I did everything. Oh, you don't love them enough to be sealed to them for eternity. That's got to no. fuck with a kid's head. But if you see them around her, they absolutely adore her. Sure, yeah. And, and that's they, probably got to fuck with their brain. Yeah. It's the whole, wait, I love mom. She's doing yeah. great things, but yeah. I'm not supposed to. Like this. She's, Do you ever, God. out of curiosity, sit them down and say, so... Boys, I know your dad and I come at this completely different. We have it's conflicting. Sure, like the, he's one way, and he has the things he says about who I am, etc. And I'm totally different. Right? How do you feel about this? Like, it must be confusing to you. Are yeah. you, do you want to talk about it? Is you know what I mean? Like, I think they're terrified of their emotions, honestly, because a they hate making me cry, um, but also that they don't know the answer yet. Like, that's so much to put on them to mm. answer for. They're, they're kids. Yeah, they're they children. don't have that ability. And they talk about, um, like, your ability to know certain things at an age that you're not old enough to process information. Like, they know that. And so I tell them, you know, this is what I feel and believe. This is how I am. I know that this is correct about me. And I understand that you're being taught differently. But in the end, kindness and respect are the two things that matter the most. So I tell them, I'm sorry that things are hard for them. I'm sorry that they have to have this huge code switching. Like Amy said, that they have to have such contrasting lifestyles. And to be honest, 
when I was married to him, our dynamic was very similar. It was just in the same household. So Mm. now they go from 100% at one house to 100% at the other house instead of me being able to balance it out in that same environment. Right. So Which probably meant acquiescing for you. Right. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I'm in a lot of support groups and I talk to a lot of people on the ex-Mormon page or anything like that on Facebook about how do you do this? Or when when I found out my kids had been secretly ordained, I was like, what in the world am I supposed to do? Like, who's gone through this, gay or not, like people that are in mixed faith marriages or where they're divorced and one parent has custody of the children or shared custody and they're being raised Mormon part-time, like even the heterosexuals have a horrible time with it. Yeah, like um, asking them and they're just like, well, it's just about the long game. Like the kids eventually figure it out. I've had a number of people reach out to me and be like, you just have to stay on the high road as hard as it is. It's long game. In 10 years, they'll see who he is. I mean, Amy and I have both seen the younger boys, one of them specifically kind of pick up on the cues that they're like, wait a minute, that's not what you said we're supposed to do. Like, it's not the actions matching the words that they're taught about me even. Somebody said something about shooting the holes in their boat, that I can't be the one that's shooting the holes in their boat and telling them this is wrong, this is bad, Mormonism, this, your dad, this, because when that ship is finally sinking, I got to be the person that's there to rescue them and not the one that caused it to sink, yeah, you know, contributed wow. to it. Yeah. So That's a hard position to be it's in. horrible. I cry a lot. (laughs) So let's talk about that support system that you have found. Because I feel like a lot of our listeners, maybe they're not lesbian, but they can probably relate to a lot. (laughs) That's the best way to be. Uh It's more under boob, people. (laughs) Way more under boob in that world. (laughs) But they probably can relate to a lot of this story, especially if their ex is still in the church and raising kids as Mormons. Yeah. And there's one page that's co-parenting after Mormonism, obviously the Latter-day Lesbian page as well. Like somebody will just put out a feeler and then it's an instant swarm of people that have the same scenario for it. When you had the youngest one speak in church and ask you to go, and my knee-jerk oh, reaction yeah. was, fuck that. Mm. Absolutely not. Speaking you on Father's Day, a talk that his dad wrote for him about how great of a dad he was, <laughs> oh despite not working. God. Oh, yeah. He had to write and it. And you're guilted. Yeah. Like, mom, aren't you going to Well, come? if I don't go, it's damned if I do. Yeah. So oh, I went. Me. But she did, she reached out to the (laughs) ex-Mormon group and said, what do I do in this situation? I was not helpful at all in that situation. (laughs) You were like, fuck that shit. Absolutely. But she reached out to other parents who have been through similar and what they would do and the overwhelming response. There were a few that were saying absolutely fuck that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they gave that perspective of the long game. And I think the two of us have come around to realizing that that is the most important thing. Not that we're sacrificing ourselves in that process, but just realizing if we're going to make this last forever and ever, amen, that we have to make decisions right now at the front end that are best beneficial to the kids, regardless of what our heart of hearts say. Yeah. That's hard. I think that had you at least, when the when the sacrament came around, grabbed the biggest fucking handful of bread and made it into a ball and just sat there and eaten it, like that would have made it worth it to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, and of course they passed the sacrament with their priesthood that they secretly oh, got. So, God. so that would have meant a double handful of bread if my kid had fake priesthood. Just lick the whole shot, plate. Shot, shot. <laughs> and I would have brought like a refillable canteen and taken just like one cup at a time of the water. Like, be right back. I got a lot of sin to wash away. <laughs> yes, yes. Jesus bled water. Yeah, <laughs> sure water. shit did. 
<laughs> when I heard that it's water at Sacrament, I was so disappointed. Extra disappointment. Right. Extra. I mean, I'm already not that you weren't already. Yeah. It's not even religion. filtered water. It's tap water <laughs> from like the sink the in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> out of the bathroom. Little twelve-year-olds touch it with their hands. Like if you really think about it. Cesspool. I don't want. Yeah, they're like. Well, the six-year-olds are breaking it. You guys. And you those same boys touched their penises that morning. Oh, you know <laughs> they don't the wash their hands. It's the 16-year-old boys who break the bread. Yikes. Well, they lean down under a table and do it. That's the weird Lord thing you see happening there. Why do they you do that? You see them disappear under a table. Mary, I'm one taking of them you to praying. a church service. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm not Why are we not there bread? today, by the way? Like, we should have fucking gone to some. Really? That's what they want to do on their vacation? Is We can wear to... pants. <laughs> I am not touching that bread or drinking that we, fucking water. We should, when we're in Utah, go to like somebody's ward, like a Utah ward. Ugh, just so you can that's see. A lot. It is. Just like a fast uh-uh. and testimony. Meet. You, I it's like one of the seven wonders. You have to go <laughs> just true. to say you go. Have you seen the pyramids? Whatever. I grew up in Niagara Falls, New York. You can't tell me that's a seven wonder of the world. Well, go to church then and see. <laughs> that's a testimony a meeting Ooh. is going to be in the shiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's going to be uh-uh. so good. You're already making me watch these ridiculous movies. Mm-hmm. I need <laughs> you to have so the full blessed. experience. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so reminder, Amy was one of the first letters that we read. The thing that's, that sticks out to me the most that I can remember is that you were supposed to marry a dude, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you you were a recent convert, so you couldn't get married to the temple, or you were choosing right. not to. I don't remember what it was. Both. Both. Okay. And they were guilting you that you needed to get married in the temple because what if you get married civilly? You have to wait a year to get married in the temple. What if you have a baby in that time and the baby dies? You're kind of fucked. Right. It was a a horrific car accident with Mm. my husband and baby, and I would never see either one of them again if I didn't get married in the temple. (laughs) Which is interesting because that's not the rule now. Now you can get married... And get sealed at the same time. Yeah. Like you can do all of it. The same day. Well, yeah. God changed his mind. Yeah, God's oh, like, you know yeah. what? That actually was kind of fucked up. Come and think of it. Right. Hey, Nelson, let's change this shit, bro. I'll tell you that on Thursday in the Holy of Holies in Salt Lake. That's when he goes and That talks was one of the first cracks in my shelf because that made absolutely no sense to me. There were things what? that now I look back and were completely fucked up that I accepted as mm-hmm. normal because I was raised in Idaho around a lot of Mormons, went to church with them because I wanted friends, wanted to keep friends. There were other things that made sense to me at the time that I look back now. I'm like, what the fuck? Tell (laughs) us about how it made sense what the sister missionaries told you when they caught you wearing a cross. Right. (laughs) When I was a junior in high school, I wouldn't say I was having a religious crisis. I just wanted to find a church or congregation or a group of people where I fit in. So I went to the Mormon church here and there with my friends, the Baptist church, Presbyterian church, and Episcopal church. I spent a couple of years in the Episcopal church, not a member of it, but went with friends and it was a great experience. But I wore a cross for most of high school and a little bit of college I don't know why at the time, what my mindset of it was. It's just kind of what you did if you felt a connection to religion at that point. So I decided to get the missionary discussions because I was at the end of my rope or end of my options. Um, I had figured out what gay meant at the time, and I did not want to be gay. I didn't want to be a disappointment to my family, Mm -hmm. um, only child, only grandchild, only niece on my mom's side of the family. Oof, so that's pressure. Um, yeah. And I just felt like n- nobody ever said being gay was bad. It was just 
viewed as a path you shouldn't take. Not that it was a sin or anything like that. It's just, it would have been a hard road. So I felt like if I joined the Mormon church, they would have a manual for everything and I would be straight because if I followed XYZ things, then I would get all the blessings. So I asked for the missionary discussions when I was a junior in college. So it was several years later after my church experience or bouncing around churches. And I had a set of sister missionaries that were teaching me at the time. And they came over. I was in my parents' living room and they were getting up to leave and they noticed I had a cross around my neck and they asked me why I wore it. And I said, well, it's my representation of my desire to have a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus. And they said, don't you think that it's like the mother of a drive-by shooting victim wearing a gun around her neck? Oh my God. God. Yes, yes, I do. That's exactly what right. it is. That hadn't popped in my head, Sister Missionary. No. Weird. Like Thanks Mary for, wearing actually, that was a, an analogy I had exactly. never yeah. considered. They came up with some good shit. I got to oh, hand it to them. I don't know where they came up with that. I didn't have a response to it. <laughs> I think at the time, I think I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess that would be, be weird. <laughs> so we're, I don't know. Weren't you taught that we don't celebrate Jesus's death? Yeah. Oh, the cross is bad. It's yeah. A bad There's no, symbol. You won't find a cross in any Mormon anything. On um, anything. We celebrate the resurrection. But that's You will to find represent... it in Deseret Book, though, ironically, because I went in there. Yes. This was the most <laughs> shocking thing. I took a picture of it. I don't think I put it on social media because I have a lot of LDS friends and I didn't want to. Send it to me. I'll post that shit. Okay. okay. <laughs> it was. Yeah, Shelly doesn't care. So I mm-hmm. went in there to get some Bible markers because. As you do. Mm-hmm. As, as you do. <laughs> because. We don't have any other religious bookstores or anything. And when I started going to church again to a non-denominational church, I got a Bible and I wanted some markers and, you know, highlighting pencils or something in there, which I have yet to use. So that was a effort and futility. You still have your receipt. But- They were real nice to me in there the past 30 days. (laughs) I went in there and they have like this little end cap with all of the things that you can mark in the Bible or put bookmarks in there or little tabs on the side or whatever. And they have little crosses on them. And I was giggling inside because I thought, I bet these people don't even know that those are on there. No. They just think (laughs) they're little shiny gold, copper, and silver tabs for pages. That whole row should light on fire. I know. If they're right, I wanted to true. alert them of it, but I also <laughs> you had... to alert them. Yes, <laughs> guys, there's crosses on aisle three, <laughs> and something that says Mormon on it. <laughs> but I have such a memory of that being made a big deal. The I, cross is bad. Yeah, well. yeah. But how can you be Christian and believe that well, any symbolism symbol. about it is? I mean, it's supposed to represent the sacrifice that Jesus went through for no, no, Christians. It's a, it's a gang sign. That's, <laughs> that's focusing on the bad. We just want yeah. to do the wake up part afterwards. Right. <laughs> the wake up part. Mm-hmm. The well, some of, of the, the first things that they say are so horribly inappropriate and offensive, and they say it in such a they Mormons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. They say it in such a normalized way. Yeah, like a matter of fact, like this is true. Well, of course, it's this way. Yeah. And because of the prevalence, I've lived in heavily populated Mormon areas that you just agree. Right. Because there's nothing else to do if you are a minority. And by minority, I mean not Mormon in Utah or Idaho. Well, it seems like such a bait and switch religion in my opinion. Because they don't tell you everything. You were mentioning to us about your experience with Masons. 
Yes, yes. And the similarities with a yes. lot of the symbols and signs and tokens and whatever, blah, 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 in the yeah, temple. Talk, talk about that because you're a, a later in life convert. You're no right. longer in the cult. Um, I think joined yeah. the church as an educated adult. That's mm-hmm. probably worse than having been raised <laughs> <shit. laughs> right. even around her. Right I now. made a conscious decision to God. do the thing. But they don't tell you everything. No. So I was part of a Masonic organization when I was in junior high and high school. And they actively told us at the time that the Mormon kids would not join. Not that the Masonic order I was part of didn't invite them. They just told us they won't ever say yes. So to try to get them in the group was, you wouldn't do it because they wouldn't join up. Yes, because it is almost identical to the temple Ceremonies? Rituals, rituals and things that they do in there. Yeah. And the symbols are the same. Like the Illuminati symbol is the same. The eye inside the triangle, that's the same. Those are above the that's on temple the doors. B- bill. I mean, yeah. That's because Joseph Smith is in charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> but he's dead. <laughs> Real dead. <laughs> but the Mormon kids' parents would tell them, oh no, these Job's daughters are in a cult. It is a satanic organization. They have rituals. They have. <laughs> You know, they walk in certain lines on the floor. Mm-hmm. There's an altar with dimmed lights. And then huh. you talk to Mormons who have been through the temple and they're like, there is a ceiling room with an altar and dimmed lights. And right. you're like, wait a minute. I got touched that under a poncho. Mm-hmm. Like it's like <laughs> totally a totally normal. <laughs> right. You wear certain clothes that have certain symbols and, you know, a thing on your head and little ballet slippers. And <laughs> mm-hmm. then you talk to people who have been through temple ordinances and they're saying similar things. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that's why they didn't want to be a part of it. The interesting thing is that I've learned in going to other religions after leaving Mormonism is that Mormons have an answer for everything. And yeah. it's never the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. That Joseph Smith poached his But that's because that's how God wanted him to do it. From yeah. other There's religions. literally an answer for everything. That's what I've heard, well, too. Well, but I feel like the... Mormon church over time has tried to distance themselves from that stuff. From the reality of who they are. who Joseph Smith was and what he started. Right. I well, feel they've like changed the restoration story recently. Yeah. Well, what, did, what do you mean? The, <laughs> I'm looking at where the, the, I'm looking at the born begin? Mormons saying, yeah. help a lot. me out here. Throw me a bone. This is a whole Probably. episode. Probably. table that? Yeah, it's a whole episode in its own. Just to give you like a little tidbit, there were multiple stories that Joseph Smith told about the first vision and they hid all that. And now right. now that it's out, because there's records of it, the church will say things like, well, you know, when you when you are remembering something, sometimes you remember it one way, and then the details get added as you think about it more. And it's, right. it's just, they just try to cover for everything. Forget God and Jesus floating above your body. How the fuck do you forget that <laughs> shit? And it's hard for me to believe that these people aren't lying on purpose. because That they know better. Yeah, because Absolutely. it's like they go through all of this shit that's now public knowledge, and they have to piece it all together and still make it true. Right. So you're talking about like by these people, like the quorum of the 12 and yeah. the 70 yeah, or something. Yeah, or whoever. Like people in charge. I, mean, right. I don't even know if they even do that much. I think it's the people that they pay to do it. I don't know this. I just said that off the top of my head. People yeah. are leaving the church in droves yeah. because right. the internet is providing so much information. When yeah. I was joining the church and getting the discussions, they would chastise me because I would, when we did have another religious bookstore in town, I would go there and check out videos or read articles or books about, I wanted the flip side, the Mm anti-Mormon. So I was making an educated decision, still made the wrong one, but but I thought I was making an educated decision. And I mean, the shit was weird. 
but the church would tell me, you know, that's Satan trying to lead you away yep. from the church. So yep. you need to join. But you join and then find out about having your own planet, about the temple ceremonies, about mm-hmm. all of the supernatural parts yeah. of it that they don't tell you. They just tell they you tell the, the families, shit. the heart cell stuff when yeah. you're joining. They don't tell you about the sexism and the racism and no. the murders. They don't tell you about any of that shit. No. Mm-mm. Well, and yeah, if you were Joseph Jesus. Smith in the 1800s starting a religion, and at the same time, mysticism was right. coming into vogue yeah. and a little bit of the occult and scrying and like Ouija boards are looking at the future, maybe mm-hmm. crystal balls or what have the you. The treasure hunting for your mm-hmm. seer stones. Yep. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> Is that... Cooler and sexier than just saying, oh, I think I want to start another just Jesus religion. Right. Well, and Mormons will never apologize. I think that's something that everybody in it and out knows. Yeah. It is all true. So why would we apologize? And then when it's not or there's been a change, it's not their fault and they're not going to apologize for it. But they downplay it. They don't show Joseph Smith and his sorting hat and seer stone or whatever. You have to watch South Park to get that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Yeah. And the pictures of Joseph Smith interpreting the plates or whatever, they don't show the hat. Right? Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Of course not. Exactly. They're downplaying that'd be too that weird. Stuff. Who would join if they saw that's how it happened? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> not even Amy would join that. <laughs> no. But my my religious trauma came from, I mean, the two of you, Shelly and Jennifer, have religious trauma from being raised in it and then realizing you were sold a bill of goods for 40 plus years yeah. of it. And my religious trauma comes from wanting so badly to have that connection and that salvation and that key to heaven. And to not be gay. Right. And I didn't want to be gay. Well, I didn't tell them I was gay at the time. I don't know if they could tell at that point or not. They they probably (laughs) did. We've seen the photos. (laughs) I know. Look at me. I am a hot piece right here. They would have known. Can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was sold a bill of goods as well that I would get salvation if I followed all of these steps. And in my mind at the time, I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing, yet it wasn't good enough. But I didn't know that. I thought if I followed what they told me to do, that I would get the things. And when I realized that that wasn't going to happen for me, it just sent me into a spiral of trying to numb out using alcohol and my already addictive personality latching onto that. And it was so horrible. So I call those my dark days or my crazy days when I was realizing I was gay, that there was nothing I could do about it, that the church had betrayed me, that I was descending into alcoholism. And it was just a really rough time. And it all happened in Utah. I go to Utah frequently now for Jennifer, but also for the culture and the arts and theater and that sort of thing that are in Salt Lake. And so it's taken me a long time to heal from that experience and associate the good with Utah. And Mm. it's a great place. It's a beautiful place, but I'm having to recreate new memories around that. And I have really great friends that are Mormon, but at the same time, there is a wall at a certain point in the relationship Mm -hmm. with them where I can't reconcile the fact that they still go to church. They still buy into the propaganda. And as good of a person as that person is, they still have that belief system. And you're still wrong and bad to them. Yeah, you're still gay. And so they still think that your eternal plan, because God is just, and but he's also caring, is that he'll make you not gay after you die. So basically still saying, you're wrong. I will be made whole. Yeah, you'll be made like them. 
God forbid they're just that tolerating ever you until then. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, that would literally be I my think help. It's all fake. There it's starting. So I want to take one more break, okay. and then when we come back, I want to ask you both about. We're hearing a little bit about your shelf breaking. Haven't heard exactly what made you leave the church, Jennifer. And also spiritually, where are you landing? Where do you feel now? Sure. So we'll be right back. We're back. Okay, once you started to realize, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought it was. I feel let down. Um, not only do I not feel closer to God because of this experience, I don't feel any less gay. And so you thought being gay was just wrong, sin, right? Um, I don't know that I felt that it was a flat out sin that God wouldn't love me. It was more of a being perceived as a lesser human in society. I was in a subculture of deviance, a minority group that was seen as less than. I mean, even though now, obviously, there's probably no doubt with, you know, the way I look, tattoos and gauged ears and... You got a lesbian haircut for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which (laughs) apparently you have had guests on here who have been straight who rock the lesbian hairstyle as well. Oh, yeah. Diana. I cannot. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I cannot pass as straight. And I'm not sure she can either. Diana, (laughs) which is fantastic for me. I don't really care because I am a lesbian. So that's the way it is. But you're kidding. (laughs) um, There were two experiences. The who do you fear most, God or your family from the stake president when I refused to get married in the temple or go to the temple initially because I'm an only child and because my parents wouldn't be able to be at my wedding. And then the your baby and husband are going to die in a car accident. Those two instances were big cracks in my shelf because who the fuck tells somebody that? Right. Yeah, Mormon. And then I moved to Utah and that that really shattered it. I wanted to point out real quick so we can clarify this. None of your family is Mormon. You're the only child. Marriage is a big deal, especially for right. someone who's an only child. And you didn't want to get married in the temple because you love your family and you want them to see you get right. married. That's a very loving, unselfish beautiful thing to do. Right. And they told me, well, you can have a civil ceremony or a ring ceremony afterwards and exchange rings, and that should be good enough. You'll have a reception <laughs> and a party. They're telling you Right. How so to the do church it. told me that you'll get married in the temple, and that's the godly thing to do, and then you can have a ring ceremony to appease your family, which to appease? me, and my, oh, my <laughs> mom's side of the family is LDS, but my mom is not. My grandma was... And never had her name taken off and still had visiting teachers come. Even oh, we know all about the visiting Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Fanny Fact Check probably came to visit her at some point. But <laughs> my grandpa was not Mormon. And so my grandparents had a mixed faith marriage. And my grandma was completely supportive of my mom and uncle not joining. My mom was going to go to BYU for the language program and woke up in the middle of the night and was like, fuck that. I can't do that. So (laughs) yeah, she got out early on. And so I was not raised in the church. I had exposure to it, but wasn't raised in it. But the church would rather have you disappoint your family, make them sad because you need to fear God more than you fear your family. And I hate that teaching because it's like, if God God is a loving God, God wants me to be happy happy and 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 be good for your family and invite them to shit. God's not like, the most important thing that you can do is come into my big ass empty house and wear (laughs) fucked up crazy ugly clothes 
clothes and promise dumb <laughs> shit while you're holding your... Be touched under your apron or whatever. Yeah, patriarchal grip Poncho. and promising blah 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 you know. Sorry, While your future husband's wearing a baker's cap. Raise your um, hand to the square. you think... Yeah. Mormon God is a loving God. Mm, oh, no. No, fuck I have that heard Shelly confirm several times that Mormon God is an asshole. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think Mormons care if God is portrayed as loving. Is that no, a thing? No, no. And he should be firm because sometimes yeah. you have to rule with fear. That's just sometimes what it is. you have to hate the gays the and tell Seems them. Seems like Mormon God is yeah. always ruling with fear. True. That's very true. Where's but the love? Well, if you're perfectly obedient, then he loves you. I see. Yeah. Anyway, God the point is how to be fucked perfect. up it is that the church would rather you hurt your family and maintain your obedience. Like that's so. Well, that's not a God that I would. On somebody who is brand new in the church and pretty oh malleable yeah. at that point. Yeah. I was within my first year, and so I wanted to do everything right. I wanted to do what they told me to do, and I had my twenty first birthday a few months after I joined the church. I drank half a beer because my friends were probably great friends. And I was, they're <laughs> mm-hmm. like, come on, you're, I know that you joined this weird ass culty religion yeah, but thing, what's a beer? but have half a beer. And I went to church the next day and told the branch president at the time, because Oregon doesn't have a huge ton of Mormons. And so it was a branch. And I told him and he gave me a little card with how to repent, like a little business Free card. Step. Oh my God. <laughs> right, on how to repent. And I had to go for a period of time without taking the sacrament and all of this. So shame. Shame. You were shamed. Yeah, you were absolutely. Shamed. For six so, ounces. Well, at least you weren't a pedophile. That'd it's be very, terrible. but it's very, oh, the culture is predatory. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It's a predatory, whether it's sexual predators or spiritual predators. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's mm-hmm. a very um, manipulative. We'll get, the newbies. We'll get them. Right. Yeah. Ugh. So how long did it take you to figure all this out and then actually leave? Like how many years were uh, you in Seven. There? You were seven years mm-hmm. suckered into that. I, I mean, was probably in inactive for three or four of those, okay. but I didn't know how to get out. And I was living in Utah and I moved several times when I was living there. They would catch up to me. They would call my parents and ask them because Mm -hmm. my records were in Idaho where my parents are. And so they would call my parents and say, okay, where did she go now? And finally, my mom said, I am sick of getting their phone calls every time you move. (laughs) So either go or get out, but I'm tired of getting the phone calls. So you need to deal with your stuff. So- what I a weird out. thing. To track, 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 track your ass you down. down. Private yeah. investigators I mean, I everywhere. feel like AARP does that to me. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Seriously. As soon as you hit 50, you're They're inundated you. with mm-hmm. AARP material. What the hell, man? Mm. Well, and the Mormons just want your number. They want to be able to plus one you or plus five your family or mm-hmm. whatever. They have, like the manual that you were talking about, they have their checklist for your life. Like there's a probably a literal checklist when you're a new member how you get your callings when you start like saturating oh, yeah. them with Everyone things. Everyone needs a friend, a calling. Uh, there was something that they taught. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. Friend, a calling. I don't Whatever. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> where, where are you guys spiritually now? Ooh, good question. Jennifer. Um, I, I did the Joseph Smith thing and went to a bunch of different churches after leaving Mormonism. And honestly, anything that felt anything like Mormonism, I could not go back into. Yeah, I did the same The thing. organ playing, Mm-mm. the chanting of anything. I was like, nope, you're Mormon. Bye. You mm-hmm. say no organs, no suits and ties. No liturgy. No, no liturgy. Exactly. Yeah, I was the same. Like, fuck that shit. Yeah. No hymns, like the old style hymns. No nope. organ. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. None of that stuff. So, and obviously in Utah, that's difficult because there's, there's only like three so many. in the entire right. state. <laughs> right. There's a church in the town that I live in that a lot of ex-Mormons go to. And so I went and visited them. And 
I've told you, like, at first I was very off-put by it because it smelled like coffee in there, which is bad. Uh, they were <laughs> and loud. amazing. Yeah, and also beautiful. <laughs> um, and then I could hear them singing from the other room, and that's bad. You shouldn't be—that's loud laughter and whateverness. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was bad. And then I walked in, and there was that cross, the gang member— Symbol oh. was right there in they were flashing right there by gang the altar. Signs. Yeah. Jesus gang signs. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. But it was Easter, and that happened to be probably the thing that saved me was that it was like a common message. It wasn't something new or different. I mean, Easter is pretty unanimous in most Christian religions. And so I started attending that church. And they're not fans of the gays either, but I've decided for myself, and Emmy and I have had lots of conversation about this, that right now in my life, I care about my spirituality, not contingent on anybody else's decisions for me or their requirements for what I should or shouldn't be. And so it's still very much in its infancy about feeling Christian, feeling like born again into Jesus more than anything else, and just reconciling for myself that I genuinely believe that God does not think that I'm bad or broken or that I was created wrong. Or I'm like a 43-year-old Savannah, the girl that stood up in the Mormon church and bore Mm -hmm. her testimony. She was like, God did not make a mistake when he gave me freckles. He did not make a mistake when he made me gay. Like, Mm -hmm. all of me is still who I have always been. And I've known it since I was a small child. Like, it's not anything different. It's just about accepting that part of me. And I think the thing that plays out for me is my personality and happiness. Like, people that knew me from before, I left the church and now see a visual, tangible difference in my life. So do you feel like a spiritual person? Somewhat. No, I don't feel like I'm any kind of like revivalist or holy rolling. Um, And culturally, when you're not a Mormon and you live in a Mormon inundated community, Mormonism takes up your whole social structure. Mm -hmm. It's every day there's something for church to be doing. And so when you step out of that, you lose your entire social circle. Right. And those other churches don't require seven days a week of your life. So in that capacity, it feels like I'm less spiritual because it's not pushed on me every single day. Yeah. Yeah. We're not doing something every day. So, but as far as like my peacefulness and my mind for spirituality, absolutely. I think it's redefining what spirituality is. Sure. Spirituality to me is not doing a bunch of stuff, checking off a bunch of stuff that you're required to do by your church. I don't necessarily think that people feel spiritual when they're doing those things. They might feel kind, like they're doing a kindness or something, but it's not the same as feeling connected to something that is like spiritual. Right. Emmy, same question for you. Do you feel spiritual now? What does religion look like for you after leaving the church? Um, I had probably 18 years of feeling like there was this void, but I didn't know how to connect. So I would just push it aside and hope for the best. I don't remember what the acronym is, but I would Christmas, Easter at my parents' church usually if I was home. I lived in Utah for 10 years and moved back to Idaho about 14 years ago. And so I really didn't try to find a church too assertively after that. I would go here and there, but it wasn't until I met Jennifer and it was maybe a week after I met her and she took a picture and said she was getting pretty for Jesus or something like that. And I thought she's extremely funny and I thought she was joking. And I said, what do you mean getting pretty for Jesus? Ha ha, it's a Sunday. How cute. And she said, no, I'm literally going to church in 10 minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> you can gay? do that? <laughs> you can go to church and feel... And not a, she, not a Mormon church, by the no, way? No, okay. no, no. Okay. But I wanted to know more. I wanted to know how she did it, and I wanted what she had. And so... I'll have what she's had. <laughs> exactly. You got it. So I was very intrigued because she seemed very secure in 
that relationship with that particular church and in her relationship with God at the time. So I just started asking more questions. And when we finally met a couple of weeks later and she came to Idaho first and then the next day I went to Utah and went to church with her and it was extremely powerful that the spirit (laughs) or God speaks to both of us through music. And so any church that we're, we're still trying to find a church in Idaho where we feel totally comfortable. So there have been a couple of times where we will go literally listen to the music and leave because we feel like the message comes through the music more than it does the people talking. And that's great. People sure. talking. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And being able to have the freedom to choose that. Like yeah. you mentioned something a few letters ago, I think it was, where you said, people tell you, well, you chose this. You chose to stay away from your children. You chose to not be with them in the celestial kingdom. And you chose these paths in your life, but you mentioned that you make choices within the choices that you're given. Yeah. So it's the illusion of choice in the Mormon church exactly. that you actually don't make any choices mm-hmm. of your own. But once you're out, you're free, really, yeah. literally, to make your own choice yeah. as to that where is to go. frightening, right? Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's very scary. overwhelming. Yeah. It is. It's exciting and scary as shit Terrifying, all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I have always felt that I have a connection to a higher power. There is a higher power universe energy, something that is leading me to different places. And mm-hmm. Mary, I was talking to you in the kitchen last night about Jennifer and I both feeling like we have been led to each other, that our scenario of having distance between us right now, but being close enough to be together on weekends or whatever, that God is leading us through that path right now. Yeah. I feel like my newfound spirituality or religion or whatever is also in its infancy. I'm not ambivalent about going to church, but I will put other things before it. But then there are Sundays when we're together where we do want to go and experience that and, you know, listen to whatever the message is. So I feel like we're both still growing in that. But the religious trauma is so deep that it is hard to make that connection be a priority because I've pushed it aside for so long because it was so traumatic that I don't fully trust it again. It's like any type of relationship when you've been burned by it so many times in the past, it's hard to have the desire to reconnect on that deep level again. Yeah. Well, and Shelly, I don't know if you would think this is accurate, but leaving Mormonism and finding any other religion, whether it's Christianity or not, you have to undo who God is. Absolutely, 100%. Like, the God that you were raised with in Mormonism, Heavenly Father as his name, Elohim, whatever else he's called. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's even. even our Lord and Savior. Yes. So that's like telling you that your parents aren't your parents mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. God is not who yeah. you thought. No, he not was. at all. And in my discussions with other people that have left Mormonism, a lot of them go immediately to atheism because— mm-hmm. It's so traumatic and it's so bad who God was in Mormonism to you as a person. Yeah. And then they come back He can't possibly be real because fuck that shit. Right, right? because who would want that to be the God? Yeah. And then they either stair-step back in at whatever level or stay away from it completely. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think largely most end up being atheist or agnostic. You're right. You know? Mm -hmm. It's very damaging. God is a damaging person in Mormonism. Mormon God sucks ass (laughs) and damages you. He's a dick and he makes you not want to trust or believe in anything, right. any higher spiritual anything. Just and makes he's you very wanna... punitive and yeah. mad. And, yep. Yeah, absolutely. But he also loves you. Uh-huh, sure. Mm-hmm. That's unless, a, you're you're wow. yeah, unless you're gay. Unless you're just full of dichotomies. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Religion. Yep. Mm, that's nuts. 
It's a lot to unpack. That's why we're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay for outness. <laughs> yeah, religious trauma is a real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like I had never church. heard that term until I met Jennifer and started listening to the podcast, and that term was used. You're welcome. So much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Wait, our podcast? Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Even though the topics each week sometimes are hard and can be triggering, we're grateful for for them being brought up because it gives us a chance to talk about it either with you or with each other or with other ex-Mormons about how to move through that as a collective group. And the connection and the camaraderie within that trauma is huge. And there is a growing support system for that, not just between ex-Mormon gays, but just ex-Mormons in general or Mormons whose shelves are cracking, you know, for us to now guide people through that if they yeah. have questions. But or- it's absolutely something you have to survive. Like yeah. you are in Mormonism and it's just what you do. But when you get out, you have to survive it. You have to, especially in a Mormon community or culture of any kind, like if you're in Utah or Eastern Idaho or whatever, like being ex-Mormon in a Mormon world is... A Ooh, that's totally rough. different life. Yeah. Yeah. Way worse than being never mo in Utah. Exmo gay is probably about as bad as you can get. Thank in you. Utah. Yeah. You're welcome. You have achieved <laughs> stardom. Upper Love level sin. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're crushing uh-huh. that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for those who are listening who were not raised Mormon, but maybe were raised in a similar fundamentalist type religion. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you get it's it. similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally similar. We had this great article that we read a long time ago about religious trauma, unpacking mm-hmm. religious trauma. And also, mm-hmm. you know, you know you're a victim of religious trauma when, you know, oh. I had a bunch of stuff that went I through. I was all of the things. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't we realize should, it. Super interesting. Yeah, we should bring that back yeah, out we'll and read that, that in, on an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We oh. are. I know. Wait, but do we have time to read patrons? I think we should. We should slip that <sighs> in. Shelly, <laughs> how many are there this week? <laughs> oh, wait, that was last week. 100. One, two. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six. Six. Awesome. Better and better. We had exactly six. Again. <laughs> Jackasses. I know. Forcing me to do six instead of five. Fuckers. I know. Don't live in fear. Okay. Yeah. What is that called? Um, a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's scarcity. break out of the scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and well, celebrate scarcity six you. people. Wow. Let's celebrate Ooh. six. So wow. there's, there's like a weird veiled criticism in there. I don't know no, what's going on. Never. So what? here's the six. <clears throat> let's hear them. Brooke L. Lesbian. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, in that case, Elise L. Lesbian. Lesbian. So basically, Brooke and Elise are a couple. Um, The last name Lesbian. Brookisa. So, Brooke and Elise, congrats on finding love um, with women and outside of the church or whatever you are. And if you decide to get married, send us. An invitation. Thank Are you. there any more L's on there so they can be a thruple? No. Don't think it look for the thruple opportunity. <laughs> there thruple. is not. Next, Catherine J. This is this. Um, this is Mary's mom sneaking it in, right? Where's the J? Well, I don't know. It's just to throw us off. Your mom's name's Catherine. Yeah. Next one, Amanda M. Okay, modest. Modest. Amanda Modest. Modest is hottest. Mm, true. Thank you, Amanda. Modest is hottest. 
God. <laughs> this, is, this is strange right How now. How did reading the patrons become one of my favorite parts? Uh, I don't know. No, no. Can, do you, can we just get through it? No, that's though? what I'm saying. When we first started reading patrons, Mary's like, can you just read their names and let's move on? Like, <laughs> and you still don't. I can't. I can't. It's she too fun for me. It's to me. too fucking fun really for me. I really do believe that people wait with to see how bated I breath their name. to yeah, see what you do to it. the <laughs> commentary uh-huh. after each name. Okay. I, I think you're right. So Muriel D. N. Oh, fuck Muriel. Dagnabbit. Dag. Muriel. I'm Muriel Dagnabbit. Dag I'm Muriel Dagnabbit. I'm a patron. Yes. Thank you, Muriel Dagnabbit. And finally, number six, Stephanie with a Y. Stephanie C. Coffee. Stephanie Coffee. Oh, coffee. coffee. Stephanie with a P and a Y coffee. Thank you. Thanks to everybody. Yeah, thanks. We're getting super, super fucking close to having to make Mary watch godly sorrow and i cannot wait oh yeah i'm i'm riveted mm-hmm. if you would like to have your name butchered on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> please visit patreon.com slash latter day lesbian mm-hmm. shelly will be all too happy to butcher the fuck out of your name <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, what, it's what i live for by the way what yep, i live for yep. this episode brought to you by let me guess you, you see Places. Your tour guide app. Letter U, letter C, <laughs> word places, all one word. Download the app. Download people. the app today. It's the next big thing. I really enjoy um, this project. Check it out. Check it out. Okay. I want to thank Leave It In Dan from Extension Audio. And also thanks to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Amy and Jennifer for joining us. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. It was really great having you here for real. Now we're going to go eat some food. Yay. I'm excited about that. Sunday brunch. Yep, Sunday brunch. The Hell rest yeah. of you steer clear of cults because they, they are no joke. joke. No joke at all. Talk to y'all later. Bye.